This is holding down the fort. Welcome back. We are holding down the fort today with Georgia Tech catcher, Jack Rubenstein. Jack, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks for having me. So we know Jack from the Niagara Power, and he played with us, I want to say, is it 2018, Rubes? Uh, I think 18 or 19. 18 or 19. Jack was here for the summer with uh, some big guys, Eric Wentz from Kent State, Frankie Lusko, who's still playing pro ball to this day, and some other dudes who were local and, and from out there. So Jack has gone from a certain place in college baseball to a whole nother level in college baseball. And I think we're going to start off right there. Let's uh, let's talk about, um, you know, your path a little bit from high school and getting recruited to, uh, you know, being at Georgia Tech today. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, started off out of high school going to Emory University where um, was definitely a great opportunity there to play some good ball and, you know, get a great degree. I knew I wanted to pursue something in business there, but, um, you know, my junior and senior year, unfortunately, were pretty much totally canceled due to COVID. And so uh, that gave me an opportunity to keep playing. Uh, I knew I wanted to pursue a master's somewhere and, and hopefully go play at the ACC level. And so luckily I got an opportunity with Georgia Tech uh, to go play catcher there. And it's, it's been a great decision so far. And I remember, uh, you know, you and me talking while you were here, you've always been, you know, a numbers guy, right? Like you've had the numbers to like, whether you belonged at Emory or not, you were an upper echelon kind of guy who hit the ball hard. You hit the ball hard a lot. You hit the ball hard a lot in the air is that something that kind of played into us, us ending up at the next level and, um, you know, out of high school, were we close to being that guy or did we develop over our first couple of years before we met? Yeah. I mean, one thing that I would say definitely played a factor is that I didn't really start catching until my senior year of high school. And so when I was committed to Emory at the time, it was sort of as a utility, um, you know, I was going to showcases, going to shortstop every time, which, you know, like every 17-year-old kid, you know, you want to be a shortstop. But the reality was that probably wasn't in my best interest. Uh, got to Emory and um, was lucky to play early on. Uh, and I was in left field every day. So it was actually those summers, like when I was with the Niagara Power, where I was catching every day. And I kind of knew at that time that catcher was my future. Um, that gave me the best chance to p play at a higher level, hopefully at the next level. Um, but then I guess offensively, yeah, I, I always had louder metrics. And so I knew, you know, even if it wasn't showing as consistently in the game at that age, um, it kind of served as motivation for me, uh, keep working. And, and because I knew that I, I had it in me to, um, you know, continue to just become a good hitter. And so, um, especially because of so much of the recruiting process for me out of Emory was, through video because of the whole COVID situation that allowed me to kind of capture a lot of those metrics on video, send them out to college coaches, uh, you know, division one schools all over the country. And, and I think Georgia tech certainly has a pretty heavy focus on metrics. And so that allowed me to stand out in the recruiting process. 
Absolutely. And I remember, you know, when COVID kind of happened and you and me, we kind of, we've been in contact the, the yeah. whole time since you've been in the area that you were at hip forth, uh, if I remember correctly. That's right. right. Yeah. And that, that was in Austin, Texas, where I was actually just working a day job that summer because my summer league had gotten canceled. And I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, like at that time, I didn't even know how much baseball I would ever get to play again. Um, so that was just a place I could go and to be honest, just have fun, mess around and try and hit balls hard. And it was just kind of a way to still keep baseball in my life a few days a week when it had pretty much been removed completely. And that's, you know, I know, you know, Jeff and, and those guys kind of opened it up, um, you know, whether it's an opportune time or a bad time, right. With COVID sure. kind of happening there, but like it provided, you know, hit tracks, instant feedback for all of a sudden players who weren't getting what they needed anywhere else in the country at this place, you know, in Texas, do you feel like that? Did it relight your fire? I mean, working with Jeff obviously could, could, you know, inspire anybody, but you know, did it relight the fire? Like, Hey, I'm not done. I got to get back out there. I'm ready to go do some, some more in this game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I actually, when I got done in Austin that summer, um, the coastal plains had literally three teams that were allowed to play that summer. And so, uh, the Macon Bacon called me up and said they needed a catcher for the last three weeks. If I hadn't been hitting with Jeff at hit fourth that summer, I would have stood no chance going to face pretty good arms. Um, you know, especially when so many guys that would have otherwise been in the Cape had come down to play in that league because the Cape was canceled. And so, um, going to play for the making bacon. And then we ended up winning the championship, you know, in the limited league that it was. Um, well, yeah, I, I remember following reasonable. along real closely that summer because everything else wasn't really going on. I it was the only was baseball talking, that like, existed. Bro, I'm going like, we're going, yeah. we're going. And it was, it was yeah. great to see you actually get into baseball that summer when so many of our guys hadn't. So for winning sure. the championship, keep rolling. Yeah. I mean, Again, I think um, that, like I said, with the whole COVID situation, I didn't know if I was going to keep playing. And there was a little bit uh, of concern in me going to play, thinking like, man, I haven't seen a live arm since March. This might not be pretty. But I just said, screw it, and I did it and ended up playing well. And I think some of the numbers I put up there were able to help me again in the recruiting process to transfer. Um and that just kind of reminded me um, that, you know, I could still play and there was going to be opportunities no matter how Emory handled the COVID situation, which was unfortunate for uh, my teammates and me. Yeah. And so take me, I mean, I know it's case by case kind of basis, but take me through that. Like you're, are we on a trip in 2020 when it gets shut down? Had we not even started anything like right through that, that beginning stage where it became an unknown, um, sure. you know, what was it like? Cause like we had sent you back, I think that fall, right. And you were headed yeah, into that's the right. spring and like, mm -hmm. we were over 110 exit velo when you were here, we were catching comfortably. I mean, you looked unbelievable behind the dish. We're throwing people out like that spring. We're like, 
hey, this is the spring, and then all of a sudden, for so sure. How does how does that kind of come about, and what um you know, what did it go like when it was like, hey, Rubes and the boys, we're not playing baseball anymore this yeah. year. I mean, you know, one thing I will say is it happened to everyone in the country, not like we were the only ones. And so, um, you know, at the on the first couple of days, it feels like it's it you are the only one. And then you look around, you go on social media and everyone's kind of in the same boat. But uh, I mean, yeah, we were. Twelve and two or something, and we were off to a hot start. I was swinging the bat well. We had a lot of older guys in the lineup that were kind of starting to come into their roles. Um and so it, it was definitely unfortunate. Um, I would say, you know, again, like I said, because it was happening to everybody else, it was, you know, I was, I was able to accept the situation a little bit more. It was that summer and it kind of happened towards the end of my time when I was just working every day in Austin, um, swinging the bat just to stay fresh when I found out that we actually weren't even going to get resumed the next year because of specific protocol at our school. So, you know, my teammates at Georgia Tech, they were able to play that 2021 season in full. They just had to follow various forms of protocol. Uh, That next year around, we had, I think, 12 games on the schedule. At first, we didn't know if we were going to have any at all. And I actually only played in the first series and then had an appendicitis. And so... I mean, I remember that's, sitting that's in the a hospital. pretty pretty serious thing that goes on, right? For sure. Did yeah, it uh, and, did it totally burst on you? No, I was able to get there in time, but it, it happened at practice. I was warming up and I kind of felt a cramp in my side. And so I knew something was wrong. Checked myself into the hospital, sat in the waiting room all day. I mean, it wasn't like they rushed me in. But then oh, once yeah, they I'm took some, the images, some athlete with pain, yeah. right? Like, oh, you probably you probably pulled an oblique or something, bro. Yeah, yeah sit here. Exactly. <laughs> So, so, um, so you, so you found that out and ended up, did, was that a red shirt year then? Did that end up coming back to help us out here in the end? So I actually would have gotten the red shirt year anyways. Cause like I said, they only played 12 games. And so they gave guys in D3 who that happened to that 2020 and 2021, um, season back. But I mean, like I said, I remember, I knew when I had the appendicitis, I wasn't going to play again that season because we had maybe eight games left. Like it takes long. It, it's a deep, it's a wasn't, three, four wasn't in the cards at least. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I mean, I seriously didn't know that night if I was ever going to play again. Um, but I was in having conversations with other coaches uh, to transfer at the time, just wasn't committed yet. And so I just had to hope that it all worked out. And luckily it did just a couple of weeks later. Yeah. And I remember we had, you know, we were kind of in communication and we were going back and forth, um, you know, the whole time of COVID because it became, Hey, the transfer portal is open. Um, You know, you've always been a high end metrics guy. You've proved it in some good summer leagues, right? We were wood bat summer league. We won a championship. You played all the time. You were in the middle of that lineup and, you know, we dominated, um, we spent a lot of time together that summer, kind of just talking through hitting stuff and understanding where you were at approach wise, who you had learned from even, mm-hmm. um, you know, it just sounded like you were in a spot where baseball was at the next level was in your future. And, um, you know, here we are at Georgia tech, 
we sat behind Kev Prada last year, right? Eighth overall, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, right? In the yeah, first I think round. so. Something like that. Yeah. Yep. So um, we get there and we're like, well, awesome, man. Like I'm sitting, I'm sitting behind this guy. Like, what am I even doing here? Or did we know like, Hey, I've got two years. I'm going to learn. I'm going to be here. I'm going to soak it all in. And like, I'm going to compete for a spot every single day, no matter who's in front of me after this. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would honestly say because of the situation that I was in, that I was just describing where my future was so uncertain, I was just felt blessed to be there every day and just to get opportunities to either, you know, catch when he needed time off or get some chances to DH when I was hot. Um, you know, there's always going to be hard times when you're going over a week or two without seeing the field. And so I battled through it, but, um, you know, as I, as I just continue to play alongside really good players and would feel that rubbing off on me, that's when I started to realize it was definitely in the cards to stay for another year. Um, my coaches offered me the opportunity to send me up to the Cape this past summer. And so that was, you know, hands down my favorite summer ball experience that I've had. No offense to Niagara power. That was obviously an amazing summer too, um, winning a championship, but, uh, no, but, but the, you know. the, the Cape's a, a whole nother level, right? Yeah. As a, um, you know, as a, a former guy who never good enough to play there, but, um, got to, got to coach there in the summer of 2014, um, you know, for the Harwich Mariners, it is the greatest place on the face of the earth yeah. during the, during the summertime, where were we? Did we get to, you know, did we work with kids during the day and stuff like that? Tell me, walk me through a, a day in the life of a, a Cape Cod baseball player on your team. Yeah, honestly, for my situation was very unique because I was finishing up what I'm doing at Georgia Tech is a master's. And so I had a pretty hardcore summer class that I was taking to write essentially a thesis that was like 70 pages. I don't need to bore you with the details, but um, you know, I'd go to the gym a couple of days a week in the morning. But other than that, I'd, I'd spend the daytime sitting down, writing, working on that project and then, uh, you know, get to the yard around one or two o'clock ready to play. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I mean, um, you know, fans wise, environment wise, like you said, the best summer of yeah. baseball that you've ever seen, you know, taking that in every night. Um, there's no there's no explaining it. Right. So for sure. Um, you know, we know that it's amazing. We know that we're under the lights against the best guys. Give me uh, an arm or two that we we squared up well. Who uh, who people might uh, recognize if you said their name? Oh man, you know I try not to give anyone too much credit and just pretend they're all nobody. They, right, right, right. We just we hit bombs but, off uh, of whoever's up. <laughs> yeah. No. You know, honestly, that that the you bringing that up, bring it, it make it reminds me of something that I think is important to note because something that that summer really taught me is that, you know, it doesn't really matter who you're facing. Everyone is a Friday night guy. So it made me stop caring who they really are. Where in the spring, it's easy to on a Friday get in your head. Cause you know, they're facing, you're going to face their best pitcher. But I mean, truly I would say that my experience there allowed me to just stop caring who anybody is, stop getting, giving them, credit whether it's deserved or not and just realize it's another dude on the bump that I have a chance to beat 
yeah, it, it, it turns into a, uh, you know, one-on-one kind of battle, right? Hey, man, yeah. you got to pitch to me. Oh, it doesn't matter who you are. I don't care what jersey you have on or where you came from or how tall you might be or what pitches you throw. I'm, I'm right here. Right. So for sure. Um, has that translated into this spring at Georgia tech where it's, we do not give a fuck who's on the mound. We are there and we can bang, obviously, um, you know, we follow along pretty closely. We are banging some, some balls around the yard. Appreciate it. I mean, I definitely think that that's kind of a culture that we've ingrained into our hitters at Georgia tech. Um, you know, coach Ramsey, he does a great job kind of establishing and setting the tone for that culture. But, um, man, I mean, sometimes I feel like our best nights are on Fridays because we just have such a strict game plan that we stick to and go nine V one. Um, and when you just really have the approach to just, um, or, or you have the plan to stick to your approach and pass it back to the guy behind you, uh, you can just trust that your team's going to put up a lot of runs and, in my time here, I mean, we've gotten some really good arms out in two or three innings, and it's a lot of fun. And and as an offense in that kind of conference, right, like that has to be the goal, right? As much as the bullpen might be electric, um, you know, getting the starter out of the game is a is a tribute to offensive approach. It's a tribute to, hey sticking to our plan. Hey, Mm -hmm. not chasing bullshit pitches that this guy needs us to swing at in order to stay until the sixth or the seventh, right? Like we hone it in, we stick to it. And like, we don't care what the name says on the Jersey. We stick to our approach, no matter who we're facing. Is that, is that from the top down kind of what, what coach Rams passes along? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think, when you can get a guy out early and they have to go to their bullpen on Friday night early or really any game of the weekend, it sets you up for the other games. Um, because, you know, for example, like if, if another team is bringing in their best arm to try and stay in the game in the third, fourth inning, or if their closer has to throw seven, eight and nine, even if you lose, then you got to go home and think, all right, well, who do they have tomorrow? So it's game to game and you got to do everything you can to win in the moment. Um, But there is a lot of strategy that goes into kind of dispersing your good arms across the weekend and timing that up. Right. And when you can get a starter out early, that's not a guy that's going to come back and then you're going to go ahead and burn their arms. Another thing, if you can get a big lead, they're going to throw their worst arms. So then the boys start to eat up because they don't want to go ahead and use, use their good arms when they think they might, that they might lose. Absolutely. So getting that starter out of the game is really a key for any offense, probably in any conference, no matter. Yeah, absolutely. If we're facing, you know, um, you know, LSU on a Friday night or we're, we're facing Georgia tech or we're facing Emory, like, you get that that starter out by the third inning and like we're eating a whole lot more than if he's there in the fifth, sixth, seventh. No doubt. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially like throughout the weekend, right? So it's a buffet mm-hmm. through the weekend. We gotta yeah, we gotta think about it the whole way through. And especially ACC matchups, like you said, you guys are very strategic. You gotta know who you're going to. And I think, you know, that's a whole nother level of coaching that a lot of players, a lot of fans, a lot of parents don't even comprehend that like 
hey, this game's already out of control. And like, sure, we might bang 10 runs back into it, but we're not putting in our best reliever in a situation where, you know, we might need him two other times this weekend. For sure. And we're already down by eight or nine or we're up eight yeah. or nine, right? You said the boys start to eat and I like, I like that yeah. a lot. So we are, um, you know, we're at Georgia Tech. We're loving it. Take me through a, a you know, a day in the life as a, I know you're a master student. You probably have a lot more work to do than a uh, a regular undergrad Johnny Manziel who's uh, playing pool <laughs> all day. But um, you know, we get up in the morning. We are we near campus? Do we live at home? What do we do? Do we go to breakfast, lift uh, all the way through to whether it's game day or practice day? How do you get to uh, eight p.m. on a on a normal night? Yeah, so um, I guess I'll just take you through a game day. Um, you know, if I'm lifting, we go at 8 a.m. In season, it's it's relatively modified. Just make sure guys playing every day are staying healthy, um, but still staying strong at the same time. Um, and then we have an athlete's dining hall, um, you know, where athletes that play other sports here eat as well. And then we all go get lunch there every day. Um, but I'd say, you know, we're usually after we get something to eat, you know, if we play a 6 p.m. game, I'll be pulling up to the field around one o'clock um, treatment. You know, I like to do Norma tech, just get some blood flow through my legs, maybe hot tub, cold tub, um, hang out, play ping pong. Just guys like to be around the clubhouse. Good vibes on a game day for sure. Um, and, and not to cut you off on a game day, but outside of just game day, right. We've, you know, the, the more college athletes that we, yeah. we talk to and the more people we talk to, those facilities that are at a Georgia tech or at a Miami or at a Boston college, which has been revamped recently, right? Like we make those facilities so nice because we want you guys to want to show up at one o'clock or no doubt get lunch and not leave, but you know, just stay here the whole time, right? Like we want you to go from the locker room to ping pong to the, the treatment room, to back in here to shower. And like, we don't really want you running around off campus, not knowing what you're doing when the place is so nice. You guys are like, Hey, like I'll, I'll stay here all day. Right. Literally. I mean, that's a good point. I think, you know, compared to a lot of the D three schools that we played against Emory still had it really nice. Um, great facilities there. We were, we were lucky to have the setup that we had, but obviously now it's it's on a new level and so for me like I still appreciate how much we we have every day and um my the first term, the term probably, athletes athletes dining hall kind of hits yeah different, right <laughs> for sure I mean I, my first two months last year at GT honestly I like was at the field too much I was taking too many swings like my back hurt but I just never wanted to leave now that I've gotten used to it, you know, I, I handle it a little with a little bit more balance, but you're definitely right. I mean, the amenities that we have just makes you want to be at the field. Um, it keeps guys hanging around together, which is just good for the team culture. And so, to be honest, the day that I've described so far is really not much different than, than it would be on a practice day. Um, just um, stick to the routine. Um, as a catcher, I got to take my treatment in the training room pretty seriously um but but again another thing is after all that stuff like 
game day or practice day, every single hitter is in the cages starting an hour and a half before practice starts hitting early. Um, like, I think there there's a lot of reasons why, you know, as a program we mash. But um, if you're not hitting early, like, it's like, oh, what's this guy doing? Like, why is he not here? Even though practice yeah, it's, technically it's, hasn't this started, isn't, this it's isn't a standard. A, it's, it's not a requirement. Yeah. It's a standard, right? Mm-hmm. That's It's a standard. Welcome back. Part two with Jack Rubenstein at Georgia Tech. We were just talking about the amenities at Division Three Emory College, where he was originally, and how it was far beyond what you'd get at a normal Division Three school. Take us through some of that, and um, you know how that made you, you know, probably choose them out of high school, right, Jack? Yeah, I mean, definitely played a big role. I think Emory, just in general, from from the hospital that exists alongside campus, is you know, it's it's a pretty large scale establishment and so they've definitely poured a lot of money into the school as well um and so not only was the campus a beautiful place nice place to go to class but we we had a very nice field our coach devoted plenty of time and resources to make sure we had a good place to hit lift um train and so you know we definitely traveled to other d3 schools across the country where you know i was looking around and thinking that we were lucky to have the setup that we did. Absolutely. So, um, you know, we out of high school, right? Like you were from Atlanta, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, was it something you always wanted to kind of stay home? You liked the idea of living close to home. How did, how did we end up there when we, when we left high school? Uh, honestly, it wasn't really something I had in mind at first. I knew I wanted to go to a good academic school and use baseball as a way to help me get accepted to a, you know, highly academic school. But um, my travel baseball coach, Danny Prago, had a relationship with the coaches there. And, you know, I had some offers Pinnacle to some Pinnacle other Prospects, is that, that, uh, that right? So Pinnacle Prospects is the facility that I train out of where I started hitting on hit tracks. I was just thinking about my, my awesome yeah. Nike T that I have. Exactly. <laughs> so I still, I still train over there with Zach Blonder in the off season. And that that's definitely the go-to spot for me, but my travel team, which is right down the road from Pinnacle, is was called six, four, three DP. And yep. so they, uh, you know, definitely play a big role in getting guys recruited as well. I was going to say kind of a, a top program along the mm-hmm. Eastern seaboard, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. he got you, he got you recruited and you said we were more of a, you know, utility guy hadn't caught. You decided it was time to catch once you got to our, our summer league or where did, where did catch I mean, really I, start to take? I over? always wanted to catch, um, you know, at a smaller school like Emory, you kind of have to find a way to just get your best nine hitters in the lineup. We had some guys who could hit and played catcher. And so they stuck me out in left field. At that time, I was probably a lot more agile and fast than I am now, to be honest. You know, I've probably put on 15 pounds. Um, I'm hitting. Well, I remember harder. little uh, little lizard Rubes who uh, who showed yeah. up here in the uh, the summer of 2018. For sure. I mean, I might have been 195, maybe 200, but now I'm probably about 215. And so, um, 
you know, I like where I'm at. I'm feeling good, but I don't move like I used to. You probably couldn't but, stick but I I catch anymore. now, bro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I always wanted to catch. I mean, to be honest, I was mad. Like I was like, I was mad that I wasn't catching. Lucky to be in the lineup every day. Um, get abs. That's the most important thing. But I'd go into summer leagues with a chip on my shoulder, wanting to show out behind the dish and junior senior year came around which was my time to take over behind the plate at Emory and then like like we've said you know those seasons never really happened and so I probably caught before Georgia Tech like seven career college baseball games like if you're yeah, not like in, the, in the NCAA outside of summer yeah. baseball mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> but summer ball I mean I've probably caught like 200 <laughs> yeah I mean hey listen it it, it does matter and like you said you go um, probably if we're going to put, you know, a, a stamp on it, it's that making bacon summer where it's just the last few weeks and it's COVID and it's like, eh, but it makes all the difference in the world for us. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Not only just like proving to other people, but I'd say more importantly, proving to myself that like, I need to keep playing this game. And I remember, so you had been at Hit Forth in in Austin, Texas. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Austin. So, yeah. So we're in Austin, and we're like, "Hey, man, like, I just got to stay sharp." We're going there. Like, obviously, Jeff's a great instructor, but we're pretty much just using a cage with hit tracks after work, like you said, just doing a job. And like, would rather be in Texas than getting shut out of facilities every mm-hmm. everywhere else. And it's like, when did that? that switch kind of flipped to like, Hey, I've definitely got to go back to this, this making bacon opportunity. Was it, was it an uh, instant decision or did we call home to mom and dad and say, Hey, what do you think? Or like, give me, give me the, the day or so that it, it took to get there. I think it was, I mean, like, it's crazy because I was going into hit forth. Like if I'm just being real, like not even having an approach about like, really refining my swing like I was so removed from baseball at that point I was literally going in there trying to hit balls as hard as I could set records just as like a hobby like I was working like I just wanted to swing a bat just to stay around it so I'd go in there just be competitive and try and set records and I did and so that's kind of when I was like they called and I was like I mean I'm I'm hitting the ball pretty well right now. Like I can't say no to this opportunity, even though I didn't know if I was going to go get carved. Cause I mean, we both know there's a difference between hitting nukes on hit tracks. This is as good. This is about as good as I've been. Right. Yeah. But, but like you can be hitting nukes on hit tracks and then go see some sliders and it's a whole nother story. But, you know, uh, I just we, trusted we, it. And I've, it seen, out. I've seen some prime examples of, uh, of guys who are, uh, the BP hero for sure. Yeah, for sure. So we get there and you're just like, Hey man, like I'm, you know, they throw you right in the, in the mix behind the dish. Like you're in the lineup. Like it's just it's yeah. no time. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, I definitely had a couple rough games to start, but I think just my defense kept me in there. And, um, you know, once the playoffs got going, I caught every game and had some good games offensively. I think I hit a bomb in one of the playoff games and, that was kind of when I was just like reminded about how much I love playing the game. And then, then I knew that I had to enter the portal and, and try and find another opportunity. Um, you know, there was a guy 
one year above me at Emory named Richard Brereton, who was a good friend and teammate of mine. He used his eligibility to go grad transfer to Duke. And so him and I were kind of like two of the guys on Emory that, you know, felt like, you know, we could play at high levels. And so since he did it, I was like, dude, like, tell me everything you did. Like, how did you go about making this happen? And he kind of stayed with me along the way. And, um, you know, I was talking to Duke a little bit because he had connected me with their coaches. But, um, you know, again, luckily it, it, it was probably like a six to seven month process because a lot of these schools didn't want to make offers until they knew who was coming back, who was getting drafted because there's so yeah, much the, uncertainty. The, the COVID year guys, yeah. the, the draft process being uncertain, right? Like that has to throw a wrench into it. And like, for sure, you know, were you on the hook? Like, Hey, I'm, I'm here if you guys want me and kind of got strung along or were you more of like a, Hey, we last second you want it. All right, let's go. Yeah. I mean, like my first year at Georgia tech, I had no scholarship money. Like it was preferred walk on situation. Like that's why, you know, like just to be behind Parada where I was still getting starts, I was like, this is still a blessing just to literally be in this sick, stadium traveling the ACC like it was so new to me and such a jump from Emory that like I was just happy to be there but what's happened over time now is I've just become accustomed to it and I've played along so many talented guys and now it's become normal and you know I'm starting to blend into you know what it takes to be an everyday guy in this conference well yeah and I mean we haven't reinvented our swing we haven't mm-hmm. changed anything crazy, right? Like it brings me back to what I go to spring training, um, you know, with the angels in 2020 and our catching coach, Derek Florco has BOSU balls flipped over and our catchers on top of the BOSU balls doing plyo work, like off of the wall out in front of them. And we get in the meeting that day. And like, I remember walking by and I'm like, what the fuck is he? Doing? Yeah all right, whatever. And he, he's in the meeting and he's like, Hey, like our position players need to be on what the pitchers are on. If you think that it's making them throw harder, doesn't it benefit your catchers for throw, like to throw harder? Doesn't it benefit the center fielder to throw harder? And everyone kind of like, like looked down and they were like, he's, he's probably, he's probably right. You know, like he's, he's, what is it? And I'm, I'm like, so it's, it's the daily work that goes into the position. Like the catchers were already head and shoulders kind of above positionally because they were doing arm strength work. They were doing all sorts of foot, like they're doing the right stuff every day. Do you guys, you feel obviously you're prepared to catch any of the guys on the staff every day, but from a, uh, an offensive preparation standpoint, do we see the machine before the game? Do we see a lefty BP coach when there's a lefty on the mound? Take me through like a, a game prep just to, uh, you know, to face a, a certain guy on any given team. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one thing that, you know, I don't want to give away too many of the secrets. Oh, no, no, we're not. But, yeah, we're not. We're but, not uh, I'm not yeah. digging, digging for anything. No, I'm just, just uh, little, little BP, um, you know, routine. <laughs> well, I'll start by just saying, you know, I don't hit off the tee anymore. I used to sit on the tee for hours, like just looking at my swing and worried about my mechanics. But 
Um, you know, I kind of just go right to some VP. I'll hit plyo balls sometimes, which are good to just work on staying through the ball. Um, but once you're preparing for the game, definitely lefty coach if we're facing a lefty. Um, and we'll crank the machine up high spin rate, try and match it to the actual stuff that the arm you're going to face is going to have that day. Um, we have the machine where you kind of program with the iPad where you can mix pitches. So I'll take ABs not only on days that we're practicing, but, um, you know, before a game. And I'd say that was huge last year when I wasn't playing every day, being able to get off of the I pitch that mixes and, well, yeah, and be able to get ABs. You feel like you're going to face another team starter, even if you're a backup guy today. Yeah. And that, by the way, I mean, that machine is 10 times grosser than any human arm. <laughs> What's up, man? Parker, will you say hi? Hey, that's Jack. <laughs> you say hi, Jack. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that, I mean that 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 machine is is absolutely like it's not a real. That's not a real pitcher, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's, it, I mean, it'll humble you real quick. Huh? So it'll humble you real quick. So yeah, I mean, if you it, can it, hit it, that right, thing, right away, you just balls. you go wow, like. Hitting, yeah. hitting's hard again, right? As soon as you got yeah. your BP timing down or your, your, you know, hack attack 90 down, you're like, man, that did that just come at me instead of away from me? I thought, wow. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So you're facing, you know, you're facing ACC, SEC, you know, kind of guys all, all pregame last year totally prepares us for this year to go out there and it's just like, Hey, screw it. Like here I am. This is what I do. Right. For sure. And I, I mean, I think a big thing here is like the majority of the swings that I take, I'm challenged in some way. And there's a specific objective, whether that's beat the shift, literally hit the ball over here. Cause there's no defense. Um, you know, understand that this arm is going to have crazy nasty stuff. So what do I have to do to, self-organize my body to achieve the goal of getting hits um and there's where... there's there's removing the t right there's no unnecessary swing. exactly there's exactly. no non-objective swings there's no hey what are you working on swings we're not asking that question to ourselves anymore as much as we're like hey this swing helps us yeah achieve this goal and there's so many good hitters. I mean, you see Mike Trout's working on the tee. Like, I don't question that for one second, but I've always no. been one of the guys that overthinks. The, so to just and it throw brings myself me back in to, the fire. I remember Alex Bregman saying that, like, he searched around the Astros indoor facility. And I don't know. It was one of his first years in it, right? When he got done with LS, at LSU. He was like, I used to hit off the tee every day. And he looks around the facility. It was MLB TV or something. And he finds one T in the entire major league yeah. indoor facility for the, like the whole Astros offense. There's one Doesn't T he surprise goes, me. he goes, you know what you're doing? If you're on this T, he goes, you're in some trouble and you got a lot of yeah. things to like, you got a lot of things to work on. If someone gives you this T and it's like, I mean, hey, for man, me, like, yeah. how many, how many, you know, in, in our area right now, sorry, but we're in the Northeast. Right. And I'm, looking at snowflakes kind of flying outside today, wow. even on March 27th. Um, I went to a, I went to a home baseball game last week, so it's, it's okay, but there are snowflakes again today. And 
so many high school programs have just gotten started. They just started their tryouts. They're just getting into their first week of practice or so. One machine cage, one front toss cage, and 26 guys on the team. Yeah. Everybody else kind of not knowing what to do. The T is almost a blessing for some guys because it at least means that they're grabbing something and doing something on the side. Right. But you just don't realize how much I think, you know, and I'm just putting this out there to guys who are obviously not on your level, how much self-destruction we, we end up doing off the T and like, God, Rubes, that's terrible. What are you doing? Yep. Right. Get here, get here. You got to go the other way. You got to hit the screen. Hey dude, the ball moves 95 miles an hour like this. Like what? Yeah. We shouldn't, we just work on that and like, let that beat us up enough in order to like get better at that part. And not while the ball's standing still, like our grandpa on the golf tee kick our own ass as well. No doubt. I mean, even, even when our coach is thrown to us, like he'll mix sliders, change ups, he'll bust you in. Like you just, it, I used to think about my mechanics so much and watch it on video and worry about what it looked like. But at the end of the day, you just got to put yourself in a position where you're on time to hit the fastball and then you can just compete on everything else. And I mean, the T isn't for me isn't going to do anything to, to prepare me for that. And so um, I've, I've really simplified it. And now I focus more on the result, not, you know, out or hit. I try not to, but you know, how's the ball coming off of my bat um, spin the, not as much, you know, what does it look like when I literally hit a ball that's standing still? Right. And that's like a, uh, you know, I was, one of our pro guys who's getting ready to, to head out, um, you know, right now, um, was in the place today. And we were, we were literally just working on like catching little, like little wiffle balls on our back hip in our first round today. And it's like, Hey, like rather than hit the ball off the tee, like we were going through this yeah, and like catching the ball off of our back hip, like seeing it that well. And it's like, Hey, like, it's something that's moving. It's small. It's challenge. It's challenging mm -hmm. is what I get. You know, the utmost thing that we do is there's a competition aspect to it where we coddle ourselves in front toss or, or off the tee. It's like, Hey, I can afford to do this or I can, sure. you know, I have all this time to do that. And it's like, Hey, you know, 90, 92, let alone 98, like, really exposes that quickly. Right. Mm -hmm. No doubt. So, yep. um, who do we, who do we got this weekend? Just, uh, take me through kind of, you know, today is, uh, is Monday and what are we doing to prepare the rest of the way? Yeah. So today's an off day, um, after a weekend series. So to be honest, like I'm taking today completely off, not even going to the facility, that's another thing I would definitely say I've kind of learned as I've gotten older. Like when I was in Niagara and we had an off day, I was going to the cages every time. And it probably didn't help. But now like off the tee, off the tee, off the tee, yeah, off the tee. <laughs> literally, I was going I was going by myself with a bucket to the Niagara University like turf cages and hitting off of a tee for like an hour, which is crazy to even think 
right now I'm fully resting my body, not going to take a single swing. And tomorrow I'll probably feel great because of it. Just trusting that, you know, you take your off days, rest your body, but just know that the work that you put in is still going to be there. Um, and we play tomorrow. We got Georgia State midweek at the AAA Gwinnett Striper Stadium, which is a cool place to play. We've already played UGA there once. I was um, going to say, you guys, I think you guys were there already. The place is, yeah. is epic. Yeah, it's really nice. And then Thursday we leave for Boston where we have a three-game series against Boston College. They've been balling out. So, um, you know, we're definitely excited to just get to go play a good team and go win another ACC series. It's going to be cold. Yeah, is it? And I, is it I, know I, you're like ready for, I know you're ready for it, but uh, it is, um, you know, Boston is is not going to be warm this time. Yeah, I was hoping maybe it would be by now, but we were in no, Louisville. We're, we're, like, we're about uh, on this, this same latitude line from oh, uh, man. Boston to Buffalo, and I it's, yeah. it's scary here. So, I mean – I hope you get 70 and sunny, right? So that you can. Just yeah, we had that in Atlanta and this weekend. The ball was absolutely flying. It was a lot of fun. So, yeah, I, um, we'll, we'll kind of finish up there as uh, Parker Fort, who's a, a future baller here, is uh, awesome. joining the show. Um, but we will, uh, you know, we'll finish up with, you know, I have seen some balls just absolutely jumping off your bat recently. Obviously, a, tribute to the hard work that you do day in and day out Thank the you. rest days the recovery days you know you hit forth strike zone like this is this is years ladies and gentlemen of hard work and anybody who's done it for any kind of length of time knows that if you're going to play at the highest level there is years worth of stuff that goes into it however it looks like we hit that last ball over the facility that's behind the left field fence. Take me through just, uh, you know, a couple of the, maybe the sequences in these, these recent bombs that we've had. Um, well, you know, all of my homers up until then have actually been backside on fastballs and yep. I've been doing a good job hitting heaters the other way. I'm trying to kind of stay right center on the fastball so that I can pull breaking balls but a lot of teams have been flipping the breaking ball in to me early and I'm just kind of auto take. Um, and I think like my swing and miss numbers have been down. And so it's, it's good that I'm not chasing spin, but I've honestly been kind of working with my coach to pull the trigger when it, they leave it up. And so that was really the first time that I hit a breaking ball pull side for a homer this year, especially I didn't have two strikes. So like, you know, a lot of times less than two strikes. Like I said, I spit on the breaking ball, but I'm just glad that I made that adjustment and did what I was supposed to with that pitch. And so I'm, I'm thinking, I'm hoping more teams soon kind of stick to that scouting report and keep rolling them in there because I'm ready to start pulling the trigger and hitting those breaking balls pull side. The word did not get out that we just hit that uh, 440 feet off the uh, off the bubble behind left. Yeah. Field, right? So, um. Yeah. You know, you guys got a big series coming up where we're rolling out. You said uh, on Thursday for Boston College? We'll leave Thursday and then we'll play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Do we now, um, you know, playing in a smaller conference, we traveled and we'd play double headers on Saturday. So we wouldn't mm -hmm. travel until midday Friday. Do you guys, you know, obviously we're flying up there. Do we practice when we get there on Thursday? 
Yeah, we'll practice on their field Thursday night. Just good to kind of get your eyes used to the stadium lighting, batter's eye. Infielders take ground balls. I think they have a turf field. Um, yep. But, yeah, just get accustomed to the setting a little bit before the weekend gets rolling. Yeah, and I think, you know, we would do that non-conference all the time when you play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I always was like, hey, man, like that's such a big deal as to – you know, for your outfielders to run down a, a maybe mm-hmm. a foreign gap that they've never seen before or sure. your infielders just to, to get there, your catchers to, Hey, three, four steps to the backstop or like eight, nine steps to the backstop yeah. is, a, is a big difference, right? Is it bricks and coming back off or is it Matt and dying down back there where I'm going to have to slide spin throw kind of stuff like I just, I love the the idea that we can get there and we can do that. And I have friends who are coaches at, you know, division one schools, NAIA schools, JUCOs all over the place, like us providing opportunities for those teams to have more coaches, no matter the level are going to allow us to travel to places like this get practice in before just a better quality of game, right? Like we don't want you guys looking out of place. We want you guys, Hey, this looks like Boston college versus Georgia tech at Boston college's field. This looks like Georgia tech versus Georgia at Georgia tech's field. So, um, Rubes, I will let you go in just one minute. We're going to do some rapid fire stuff, like three, three questions real quick. Sounds good. uh, If you don't mind. So absolutely. Um, we're hitting the road for Boston College on Thursday. We get meal money stipend. I don't know if that's actually what happens, yeah. but if you got hey, you guys got unlimited food court right here. Where's the first place you're going to grab your own meal if it was your choice? Uh at the food court, probably Chick-fil-A. That's I don't know that's good. Guys, just a, I don't think there's Chick-fil-A up there from what I remember, but Oh, I mean, we listen, we got we got two in Buffalo now and they okay. are dude, the drive-throughs are just like the Unreal. most popping place on the face of the earth. You can't you can't escape it cuz it's North Carolina Buffalo like you just it's, uh, yep. it's epic. So, if you were going to sit down and have dinner what well, somewhere near home, you got like a steakhouse that we go to. We like an Italian restaurant. What's the uh, sit down fancy kind of meal. If we are going to even have mom and dad come up and join us. Um, I'd probably say a steakhouse in Atlanta called house. And uh, it's actually my, uh, my uncle's dad owns the place. So my, 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 my dad's sister, married Hal's son so we got a little family connection over there now so definitely i think best steaks in atlanta and always a good spot to go with the family and so so just a uh, a small little plug for uh you know Hal's steakhouse ladies and gentlemen when you visit atlanta you gotta go to Hal's. absolutely where is uh you got like a uh an area is that in marietta it, is that right it's on downtown? old ivy old ivy and buckhead Okay. Make sure y'all get there. That is a uh, house steakhouse. That's awesome. Um, at Georgia tech, we talked kind of a, uh, you know, a day in the life of what you're going through. You said you hit the, uh, the athletes dining hall. Um, if they were going to have your ultimate spread for, for lunch, what are you grabbing on your tray? Um, sometimes they'll do chicken and waffles, which is really good. Meatball subs are good. Um, 
They got ice cream. I try and you know limit like once a week get the ice cream, but it's pretty damn good. Two two fifteen is calling my name. Two twenty. Yeah, no, you, right. you gotta have a little extra weight to hit the homers. So, um, last rapid fire thing. We said we're a Falcons fan. Obviously, I know that you're in an Atlanta Braves kind of guy, right? World Series jersey yep. here. Love the the connection we made on on the Braves, but um. If we're going to talk, you know, upcoming baseball season, hopes for the Braves. Hopefully you saw the uh, City Connection jersey. Yeah, those um, are cool. Today, I think the A is very cool. I know a lot of people were eh, about it, but um, I'm grabbing some stuff for sure. Where are we, uh, we going to end up this year? And obviously, um, as an Atlanta fan, like World Series are bust, but – you know, who's going to stand out? You got anybody who's uh, hiding there in the minors or uh, on the lowdown who's going to stand out for you? I mean, honestly, like I know this sounds obvious, but I think Acuna was like somewhat of a slow return from his injury. So people are kind of sleeping on him, but I think he can win an MVP and I think the Braves are going to win a hundred games. I mean, our division Sure, we still might not finish in first, right? We might win. I think we games. will. We'll find a way. <laughs> we'll we, find always, a way. Uh, we always find a way, and I love the confidence in the the fan that you are playing a little devil's advocate here. But you know, Trey Turner is here, and there's yeah. a Verlander, and oh my goodness, uh, Stephen Cohen's sending Edwin Diaz a uh, private chef and making sure that he gets <laughs> uh, fully recovered. Are we going to make it out of the division? if everybody everywhere stays healthy. I mean, yeah, I I have, I've doubted them in the past and they find a way to win the division. So I'm done doubting them. And I'm just going to say, yes, I go to the parade. I throw beers towards Jock Peterson. I am going (laughs) to believe, Hey, let's, let's tell that story real quick. Right? Like um, you're at the parade in 2021 how yeah. did uh, how did that go for you guys? Well, the parade was coming through Midtown Atlanta, which is you know right where I live at Georgia Tech. So we all were drinking, going down the street for the parade, and it was, I think, Tucker Davidson who was. I mean, he was a oh. low key guy on the team. Like, no, no, he's a fan, he's a driveline guy though. So as a private yeah. sector guy, I know a lot. Yeah. I know a lot about him. Um, and I just remember they were coming down and I had a couple of natty lights in my hand and I was like holding them up. Like as soon as he made eye contact, I just sent it. And like that thing was going so fast. I had actually already made the mistake earlier in the parade when I tried to throw to a different player that I threw up the beer and the bus just went right past it. And I wasn't even close. So this time I literally gave him like a 10 foot lead. And then the bus just drove right into it. He caught the beer and chugged it. Oh my gosh, man. That is, that's uh, the video is epic. And I remember yeah. him just being like, Hey, like that's what parades are about is a Georgia tech guy who plays <laughs> baseball leading a player on the Braves who's celebrating the world series with a, a natty light just tops it all off. Right? <laughs> that is, yeah, that, was that awesome. is awesome. So, um, last thing we'll talk about, I know mom is a, uh, a real estate agent. Yeah. In parents Atlanta, are both in real right? estate. Yeah. 
and yeah, was that that right. was the original plan for us out of high school going to college like we were really thinking we were going to jump into that game correct yeah i mean my master's here is in real estate development and so you know i want to play as long as i can but um definitely preparing at the same time for a career in real estate when the time comes so no matter what that's that's the end game if we retire from the big leagues at 40 if we Man. get forced out, right? If we get forced out of the game in one year, right? Anywhere yeah. in between, you, it, it usually we get told you're no longer allowed to play this game. Exactly. Yeah, I'd so, say so. Um, so if we, if we get the chance, right, to hang our cleats up and say, hey, Jack is walking away from this game, that is, you know, anywhere in between we have to be we have to be grateful for it right yeah absolutely so real estate when we're done um is mom uh, mom obviously is pretty solid at what she does is she throwing you right into the fire or uh is she gonna make you work somewhere else first honestly i think just kind of been in atlanta so long like we've talked about uh you know i am ready to get out of here a little bit so if, you know, I'm not playing ball next year, I'd like to maybe move somewhere else. Um, my brother actually lives in New York City, so I could see myself joining him up there. Um, but does he have his does he have a real estate team? Is he part of a real yeah, estate? Yeah, he's uh, he's doing commercial real estate. Um, you know, he's working for he's doing asset management for a company out of there, but they pretty much own, you know, real estate all over the country. Yeah, I mean, New York City is probably not the worst place for for asset yeah. management or for for real estate as you're uh you're trying to get started, right? No doubt. That's awesome. So we got brother in New York, mom in Atlanta. We might end up in uh in LA at some point playing some baseball, right? That would be the dream, man. I hope so. Listen, I uh, I had Cole Dunsing on who uh he plays for the uh the Dodgers right now. Yeah. He was on the uh the Angels before they got drafted by the Angels in 2016 and the joke was he got traded about uh 34 miles from LA to LA and has still never set foot in LA. So <laughs> the probably Arizona the, pretty much well, uh, it's your, your Arizona. He went to some minor league stuff. He had yeah. the COVID thing kind of happened, yeah. but everybody he's from, uh, he's from Lenexa, Kansas and okay. he goes home and everyone's like, Oh man, you must love living in Hollywood. You big star. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I've never even been there, you know? So yeah, um, long way to go as a guy, as a guy who's spent a lot of time in Atlanta, right. Um, you know, big city dreams, but baseball at rocket city might be no uh doubt. might be something that sounds really good right yeah i hope so thank you for listening to holding down the fort this is jimbo fort reminding you to hold it down be on the lookout for our new merch Anybody who has any questions for the show or for our guests on the show, please email us at holdendownthefortpod at gmail.com. Follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube for all the latest updates and to hold it with us. Thank you again. We look forward to having you back for the next episode.